couple things in random order that have absolutely nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about this morning. Number one, uh, that uh, reading from Philemon was just supposed to be verse 24, so somehow it got in the bulletin as verses 1 through 24, so thank you very much for reading the whole book. I took a uh, uh, <clears throat> youth group to a, a conference in Denver one time. A conference was put on by a group called Acquire the Fire. And uh, of course, they're raucous with the music and whatnot. And, and uh, the band that was playing was a band called the Newsboys. It's a Christian band. And uh, they were up on the stage and wailing away at some song, which I do not remember now. And then suddenly, the drummer's platform lifts off the stage, and it's raised into the air, and then slowly the thing got turned upside down. So the guy's playing the drums upside down, and I cannot remember the song, but all I can remember the fact is that he was upside down. And I thought about that when the video came up this morning with <laughs> Tiffany and Linda playing such a great, great song. And we'll not remember the song. We're just going to remember that they were upside down in the video. But we do appreciate your ministry, Tiffany, and you're very gifted, and we're thankful that you're contributing that gifting here. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to uh, open your word. We pray that as we do that, uh, you will find us uh, receptive to what you have to say. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. My dad, when he was uh, traipsing around on this planet, um, used to, he acquired later in life this hobby of looking for people that we were related to, and he was delighted to discover Ancestry.com, where he could go on there and you know, find their little pathways towards people that may or may not be connected to you. And I don't know if they still do this, but back in the day when my dad was doing it, uh, the way they identified people that might be related to you was they put a little green leaf next to their name. And so you'd click on the green leaf and you'd try to find out if they were people that you were indeed related to. And so those green leaves would take you to places that you didn't know uh, and, uh, and, uh, and meet people that you didn't know, but it turns out were likely related to you. <clears throat> Well, we are not going to use Ancestry.com this morning, and we're not going to click on any green leaves, but we're going to meet a Bible guy today who is like that, a person that you likely don't know that you are related to in the family of God. And as we're going to do that this morning, we're going to be better equipped to meet other people. And in the life of this church soon, other people who are related to us in the body of Christ to find out what we have in common with them and why it's such a big deal. Now, his name is Epaphroditus, which in the original language of the Bible, the Greek language of the Bible means charming. Now, I know that as soon as I said that word, your brains went to all, all those Disney movies you've ever seen and all those happily ever after stories you've ever mean, uh, read and, and, uh, and have been exposed to where the, inevitably the prince was called charming, whether you know he was or not. But this is not that. The Bible's charming is different than the fairy tale version. The Bible's charming shows us the possibilities of connection with other believers and other people as we partner together in ministry. And the Bible's charming points us in the direction of the deepest possible levels of connection. And this is going to be important in the life of this church as it looks ahead to a God-designed future. 
resting in the confidence that long before Pastor Laura and I knew we were moving on, God would know that we were moving on, and he's been at work. He's already been at work in the hearts and minds of people you don't even know yet to bring together and pave a way a future, pave the way for the future for this church. So we're going to, this morning, in this one little verse from the book of um, Philippians, we're going to understand our connection levels with other believers. So I'm just going to read again Philippians chapter 2, verse 22. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 1828. You can use your own Bibles, of course, your own apps on your phones or whatever. If you're following along on the website, just to the right of the video, there's a link you can click to find the Bible passage for the morning. And it's just this one verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Now, just a little context. The book of Philippians is often called the joy letter, J-O-Y, because throughout that letter, about 14 or 15 times, Paul uses the word joy, that three-letter word, or cognates of the word joy, to express his feelings about what has been happening in the life of this church at Philippi. And when he went to minister to this church at Philippi, he had partnered with this young guy named Epaphroditus who apparently became very, very close to him. Now, Paul writes this letter to this Philippian church while he's under house arrest in the city of Rome. So somehow or another, Epaphroditus had been his agent, his, his, uh, his messenger or whatever, and had come to Rome to minister to Paul while Paul was under house arrest. House arrest in that time, by the way, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. The Roman guards would operate in shifts of eight hours or 12 hours, chained to the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine how much fun those guards had? <laughs> chained to the Apostle Paul for eight to 12 hours a day. They were likely the ones that thought they were under house arrest. But nonetheless, Epaphroditus had been of great help to the Apostle Paul. Now, we don't know all the specifics of the help that he gave to Paul, but clearly he had worked his way into Paul's heart and mind such that Paul cared enough for him to send him back home when he was struggling with illness. I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. So who are these people, these people that my dad would have found through clicking on these green leaves. Who are these people like Epaphroditus? First of all, they are siblings in the family of God. Paul describes Epaphroditus several different ways, but these are people who are fellow believers. These are people who have embraced faith in Jesus Christ. These are people who have been adopted into the family of God. God has picked you. He's picked you to partner with him. We know some folks back in New England who had uh, uh, got, they got married and then they did the foster to adopt program. And the, the young man that they adopted is a special needs uh, guy. He's on the autism spectrum and he's a great kid, but he has, you know, his moments. And the thing about human adoptions is, right, when you get those babies or those young kids, you don't always know what you're going to get when you adopt. But God, knowing in entirety 
All that we have been, all that we are, all that we will be, all that we will do chooses us. He adopts us. And adoption, by the way, in the Bible is a word that describes the full scope of our connection to Jesus Christ. It describes our past. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, we have been chosen by God's grace. It describes our present. The book of Romans chapter 8, verse 15, uh, we are released from sin and we have a new position in Jesus. It describes our future. The book of Romans chapter 8, verse 23, a future when our frail bodies, anybody have a frail body this morning? When our frail bodies are going to get completely remade, completely redone in the glory and presence of Jesus Christ. So he adopted us, God did. And we gain in this adoption, we gain a new father who is God himself. Now I know because I've been kicking around this planet for a couple years now, I know that some people have had difficulty in their relationships with their earthly fathers. And sometimes when we use the word father to describe this relationship we have with God, it brings up all kinds of uh, uh, less than perfect memories of a human relationship. What we have to do is we have to kind of set that aside and look into the scriptures and realize that this God that the Bible speaks of, he is the perfect father. In a couple of weeks, we'll uh, celebrate Father's Day, and we'll be reminded of those people, those men in our lives who were fathers for good or for ill, for better or for worse, for you know, powerfully present or indifferent, whatever they were. We'll be, we'll be reminded by the culture and the Hallmark greeting card industry to be, mind, to be remembered uh, the fathers. And, and when we do that, it's, it can be a mixed bag. My dad was a great dad, but he wasn't perfect. This father, this Bible father, this God himself father is the one who will never, ever abandon us. And we get a new older brother. We get a new older sibling, Jesus, who suffered and died and was resurrected and intercedes for us now with the father on our behalf who paid the perfect price that you and I couldn't pay, whose imagery in our lives is, is, is represented by the cross because we are pointed to the reality of his death for us, he's our older brother. Were you ever in a situation where you were experiencing some kind of trouble and you perhaps had an older sibling and you said to those people that were giving you trouble, I'm going to go get my older brother or older sister. I'm going to tell a story about Pastor Laura now that she didn't know I was going to tell. But I feel like it's okay anyway. Pastor Laura has a younger brother. Uh, his name is Michael. And uh, when um, both of them were younger, elementary school age, um, apparently her younger brother Michael was getting picked on by one of his classmates, a guy named Bobby. Well, Pastor Laura's solution to this problem was that the next time she saw Bobby, she punched him in the face <laughs> and broke his nose. Two big black eyes, as I understand how the story is sold. 
And she still takes pride in this act of villainy. Can you see it? You know. But isn't that kind of what we hope for, that well, we've got this older sibling, even those of us who are, old, are the oldest, that we've got this, somebody who's going to come to our rescue, somebody who's going to come and stand for us when we can't stand for ourselves, and that is who Jesus is. Now, he's not punching out those who irritate us. He's going to the cross to pay the price for the reality that we are the source of the irritation by virtue of our sin. We get an older brother, an older sibling, and then we get a host of new siblings. You know, the expression that blood is thicker than water is true, but Jesus' blood is even thicker than that. When I was on my first uh, trip to Africa, to Zambia, I was out in a country church, out in a village church somewhere, and I was, uh, you know, sharing uh, the Bible stuff, and uh, because I wasn't speaking their language, of course, they had a translator there, and the, the person that was translating was this little spitfire of a lady named Betty Tichoba. She translated from English into the language of those villagers. She was dirt poor. I mean, you think you've seen poor, you've not seen anything until you've seen this kind of poverty. But she was energetic, enthusiastic about her faith in Jesus. You could just see it and feel it <clears throat> and read it in her body language. Betty, Chachoba is your sister. And then I was uh, on a mission trip. I took some kids to an inner city mission in Vancouver in British Columbia, and we were doing uh, ministry in a homeless shelter and meals and giving out clothing and that kind of stuff. And we sat down to eat with these folks. It wasn't just hand them the food and walk away. It was sit down and engage with them. And I was sitting across, seated across the table from this young man who was eating, and then we were chatting, and then he looks me in the eye, and he says, you're one of the believing ones, aren't you? This young man, if you're in Christ, he is your brother. And the implication from this is that we have a level of connection that we do not always grasp about other Christians, with other Christians. And it's a level of connection that we don't always take care of. I can remember hanging out with some of my friends, and my middle brother showed up and wanted to hang out with us. That just wasn't cool. So I sent my little brother on his way. We got into a little tussle about it, and I sent him on his way. And I got home, and my dad looked me in the eye and says, You don't fight with your brother. Went to a family funeral in Massachusetts. My dad decided that we had to be more intentional about family connections, so he got my brother to set up a family website on again, an ancient history internet thing called myfamily.com. And at first I thought it was kind of a pain, but it has turned out, it turned out to be useful, a useful way to underscore the importance of this earthly's family connections. But you see, in the body of Christ, we somehow sometimes don't take the connections we have in Christ to the level that Jesus takes them to. So these people are siblings. They're also fellow workers. In the message translation of Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, uh, Eugene Peterson calls, says that Paul says this about 
uh, Epaphroditus. He says, he is my companion in my work. In service together for the kingdom of God. Now, various kinds of service in various places, but Paul uses this term a lot. Literally working with, and I had Pastor Laura, she thought I was having her read the whole Bible this morning uh, when she was reading those list of verses, but the point is, I hope you don't, I hope you, you caught it, that name after name after name after name, Romans 16.3, Priscilla and Aquila, Romans 16.9, Urbanus, Romans 16.21, Timothy, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.9, Apollos, 2 Corinthians 1.24, the entire church there, 2 Corinthians 8.3, Titus, Philippians 2.25, of course, Epaphroditus, Philippians 4.3, Clement, Colossians 4, 10 and 11, Aristarchus and Mark and Justice, Philemon, Philemon, um, Dumas and Luke. Um, these are all co-workers. And they are partners in the ministry. And the thing is that when the Apostle Paul wrote these letters to various places, he named people that were not in physical proximity to the people who were receiving the letter. And he said, you don't know all these people. You don't know all these, all these ladies and gents, but these people are your brothers and sisters. They're your siblings, and they are your co-workers in Christ. My dad, again, as a product of his genealogy hunt, found out that my grandmother had been a cousin of the criminal Jesse James. Now somehow we took, as kids, we took a little perverse pride in that. But wouldn't it be more fun to find out and celebrate those fellow workers in the gospel that God has gifted us with in the body of Christ? And the implication from all this is that we have a uh, sometimes, often it's the case that we have a deeper level of connection than being in the same biological family with people who are connected with us in God's family. People around the world engaged in God's work. So they're siblings, they're co-workers, but also here, when Paul talks about uh, Paphroditus, he calls him my fellow soldier. So last Monday was Memorial Day, and I think we get the holidays wrong sometimes because Memorial Day, let me not burst your bubble here, but Memorial Day is not about barbecue. Christmas is not about trees and lights. Easter is not about eggs. Paul calls Epaphroditus my fellow soldier because we're in a kind of combat together. And the implication of this is that this, this connection that we have, because we're in this kind of combat together, is at the deepest possible level. I went to an Army ROTC summer camp. I don't know why. I think I fell and hit my head on a rock. And I signed up for that camp. Because when I got to this camp, I realized these people didn't ride anywhere. They marched everywhere everywhere. And there was a guy that was with me uh, who came from uh, New England to go on this summer camp with me. His name was Bob Wombolt. We had nothing really in common except coming from the same kind of place. But after those experiences together, walking everywhere, we were joined in a way that was not possible otherwise. And if you've had military experience, you know this. You know this level of connection. I used to love the Army slogan, yes, I am picking on the Army today, no apologies. 
But the army uh, slogan that used to be, be all that you can be, and they'd have these commercials. And the tagline was that we, including jumping out of airplanes. My philosophy, my policy towards airplanes is I never jump out of a perfectly functioning airplane, ever. But they would say, we do more by 9 a.m. than most people do all day long. Now, there's some truth to that. And why can't we say that about the body of Christ? We, why can't we say that, 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 that about the, the things that God has called us to do in the body of Christ? Because you see, this thing is true that we are all just penciled in. No one is indispensable. And so the question is, will we choose to be all that we can be for God, or will, we, will he have to do his work through someone else? When I wised up and went to Air Force officer training school, I met a guy there who did what we call an SIE. SIE is an acronym for Self-Initiated Elimination. About a third of the way through the program, this guy raised his hand and he said, I want out, and he left. Now here's the thing, the Air Force still got its stuff done. Absolutely still got its stuff done. This guy just missed the chance to be part of doing what the Air Force was doing because he left. During our graduation parade, I thought about it. I thought, man, he's missing it. So, you know, for First Congregational Church of Emporia, Kansas, the question is, will the church choose to be part of God, what God is up to, or is God going to use another church? Because he can do it. God's going to get done what God is going to get done. Full stop. The question is, do we partner with him or not? In addition to all those things, co-workers, um, fellow soldiers, those partnerships and ministries, siblings, in addition to all that, they are also fellow messengers, people who are connected to us in the body of Christ. The word in the Bible that's used is apostolos. It's translated to English as apostle. And when we hear the word apostle, we think, oh, those are the big guys. That's the big guns. Those dudes, the top 12 dudes, that's who we're talking about. True. But it's also in the Bible used of anyone who carries the good news of Jesus. We are all apostolos when we carry the good news of Jesus. So, why are we talking about this on June 6th, 2021? Because coming soon, very soon, the process of this church moving forward is going to be upon you. And that process needs to be anchored in this deeply solid relational connection with our coworkers. Because here, it's, I've done this several times, and uh, we need to focus on, you're, you're going to need to focus on even though it's harder, you need to focus on what's the folks out there than the folks in here. Do you see what I'm saying? It's really easy in the moment of on the cusp of a search and all the rest of that stuff to be really inwardly focused. What do we need 
rather than thinking about what this community needs through an energized body of believers in Jesus Christ. Out there or in here? Fellow workers, siblings, partners in ministry, that's the kind of place God can use to get done what he plans to get done. And we're either participants in what he wants to get done or spectators watching somebody else get done what he wants to get done. Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you today for the word that you have given through uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, Father, we marvel at the care and attention and the tenderness with which he spoke of those who partnered with him in the gospel. Father, bring us to the place where we have that same kind of tenderness of care and affection for those who partner with us in the gospel that we might be people who do what you have called us to do, who show up when you've called us to show up. We pray in the name of Jesus.